Shear. We are studying Parshish Mikates. If you have a Chumash in front of you, open it up to Perak Membeis, chapter 42. Posuk. Posuk Ches. So I heard that Rabbi Jonathan, Rabbi Lord, Dr. Jonathan Sachs, was once asked what his message is to those people who say, quote, we don't believe in God. Rabbi, what do you say to those people who say they don't even believe in God? What's your message to them? And in his inimitable lightning speed style, he says, in his great English accent, which I cannot imitate, he says, I have wonderful news for them. And the wonderful news is that God never stops believing in you. And that's my introduction to today's year. Vayakri Yosef Eschov says the Pasuk, Parshas Miketz, Perek, Mem, Beis, Pasuk, Ches, Yosef recognized his brothers. Vehem loyhiki ruhu, but they did not recognize him. Rashi says it's all about the beard. Yosef left without a beard. Now he had a beard. The brothers already had beards, so they recognize, they did not recognize him, but he recognized them. Vayizko Yosef Esachaloimus, and Yosef remembers the dreams that he dreamed. And Yosef talks to the brothers as he begins to watch his dreams unfold and materialize. And he says to them, quote, You are spies. You've come to see the nakedness of the land. You've come to figure out how to conquer it. The brothers launch into a long story about their family history, how they originally started off as 12 and how one brother is missing. And that it was not the land they were seeking to spy out, but rather their long lost brother that they were looking for. And Yosef listens to the whole story and says, nope, you have come to seek out the vulnerability of the land. And once again, the brothers defend themselves. Yosef says, you see, I'm right. You are spies. And Yosef says, he swears by the life of Paroi that the only way he's going to accept their story is if they bring their younger brother, Benjamin, and that this would substantiate the story. If not, Yosef concludes again with the same words, if not, if not, you are spies. Now, according to the simple chart of the story, does Yosef think that the brothers are spies? No, obviously not. He knows that they're not spies. So why does he keep saying this over and over again? You're spies, you're spies. He is just uh, looking to create some pretense. What does he really want? He really wants them to bring down Benjamin. What happens once he, once he brings down Benjamin? Then Yosef will put his plan into action, which is to place Benjamin in a position in which he is... Uh, threatening the 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 lives or or at least uh, the, the the safety of the brothers or at least his own position, and he will wants to see how the brothers will react when when Benjamin is is put in that position. In the end, Yosef's plan works out perfectly. He forces their hand. They bring Benjamin down. He hides his cup in Benjamin's bag, pretends like Benjamin stole it. The brothers rise to the occasion. They defend Benjamin, uh, Yehuda in particular, defends Benjamin. They make it clear that they're going to defend Benjamin with their lives. And Yosef says, my job here is done. 
he reveals himself to his brothers and the, fam the, fa the family is finally reunited. But how does Yosef do all this? He does this with this false claim, which he repeats at least three times, Maraglamatem, Maraglamatem, Maraglamatem. You are spies. Okay. Um, I guess what's difficult to understand here is of all the different ways that Yosef could have uh, baited the brothers and forced them to bring down Benjamin. Why did he have to accuse them punct, of being spies? All right, that's not a terribly strong question. He needed to accuse them of something. And the reality is, like Rashi quotes, they came into the city from 10, ten different doors and they went looking in all sorts of dark alleys of the city, etc. So Yosef's claim had basis, but still in the end, it's, it's a false claim. Yosef knows it's a false claim. The brothers know it's a false claim. I, I guess... I guess the commentaries are, are intrigued by this. Why of everything, what's this Maraglamatem business? You know, you're, you're a spies. Okay. I want to go straight into a commentary here from the Balaturim, um, dealing particularly with this issue. Again, the Balaturim is on Posuk. Um, the Balaturim is on Posuk Tess. Yosef remembers the dreams and he tells them, you're Maraglamatem, you are spies. And the Balaturim says this, quote, Maraglamatem, Pirush, says the Balaturim, Atem Veloyani, you are spies and not me. Quote, listen to this, because, says Yosef to the brothers, Yehoshua, who will one day emerge from me, Yosef, through his son Ephraim, did not join the council of the rest of the spies. The Haim Amru and the brothers respond, Your servants were not Maraglim. Pirush, says the Balaturim, Yehuda Ishivoy. Yehuda responds, because he, Yehuda, is the main speaker, quote, Gam mi many yetze kolev, from me will come kolev, yotze kolev, emerged kolev, shaloyhoya batsas meraglim, who also did not join the council of the meraglim. And the Balaturim in his style concludes, loyhoyu bagamatria kolev. So to explain, although there's not much here uh, that needs explanation, it's a very, I believe, original um, and intriguing uh, very provoking commentary of the of the Balaturim. What the Balaturim is saying is that is that Yosef is not accusing them falsely. Yosef is not trumping up a, a non-existent charge. Yosef is referring to something true and something painfully true, and, and Yosef is touching on a raw nerve. Yosef, when he says Maraglamatem, he's not talking about spies who've come to spy out the land of Mitzrayim. He's talking about spies who will spy out the land of Eretz Yisrael, a different group of Meraglim. Meraglim who will one day be appointed by Moshe Rabbeinu to go and spy out the land of Eretz Yisrael. Meraglim who will come back on Tisha B'Av and tell the Jewish people, Chozok Humi Menu, the land of Eretz Yisrael is too powerful for us. For us. It's an Eretz Yisrael, a land that consumes its inhabitants, 
and that we will not be able to conquer it. A group of Miraglim who dissuade the Jewish people from going into Eretz Yisrael. Their counsel, their, that experience is known as Atzas Miraglim, the council of the Miraglim. Those are the Miraglim that Yosef is referring to. And Yosef looks at the brothers and says, Miraglim Atem, you are Miraglim, not me. Yosef says, from me is going to come Yeshua. Yeshua is not going to be part of the Atzas Miraglim. But you 10 brothers are going to produce 10 spies who are going to, who are going to give a bad report, a bad report in the land of Eretz Yisrael. And because of that, the Jewish people will not go into Eretz Yisrael. According to the Balaturim, that's what Yosef means when he says, and then the brothers respond and say, we are not spies, says the Balaturim. The word loyhoyu, the words loyhoyu have the numerical value of 52. 52 is the same gematria as the word kolev. This is Yehuda talking and saying, Wait, have you forgotten that Yeshua wasn't the only one who wasn't part of the Atzas Muraglim? There's also kolev, says Yehuda. Kolev comes from me. And he too is not part of the Atzas Muraglim. And in typical Balaturim style, end of commentary. Okay. Now, it's difficult off the bat, it's difficult to understand what the Balaturim means when he says the brothers, Yosef and the brothers are talking about the Miraglim, something that's going to happen with Moshe Rabbeinu. Uh, you were talking about hundreds of years from now, right? The Jewish people are still going to go through Mitzrayim and, and, and all the rest of it. Um, but this is hundreds of years away. And at this point, the brothers don't even know that they're talking to Yosef. So when exactly does this conversation happen? Does the Balaturim mean that it's happening sort of in a spiritual level without the brothers even realizing that this is going on? Does the Balaturim mean that this part of the conversation happens after Yosef reveals himself to his brothers? After Yosef reveals himself to, a, to his brothers, the Torah says the brothers couldn't talk. They were so frightened. They, they didn't have anything to say. But be it as it may, at some point, this conversation takes place, either on a, on a spiritual level or on a physical level. And Yosef, hidden in the words Miraglamatim, is Yosef's accusation that from the brothers, uh, that, that from the brothers will come will come these spies um, who will who will uh, discourage the Jewish people from going into Eretz Yisrael. Okay. Why? <laughs> Why does Yosef? feel the need to bring this up. You can give maybe different explanations, right? Yosef was telling them, look, don't think that every time 10 Sadiqim get together and make some kind of decision, that this decision is necessarily correct and appropriate and accurate. Here you see later with the Miraglim, the Torah says that Moshe Rabbeinu chose Kshayrim uh, Hoyud, Moshe Rabbeinu chose 10 Sadiqim, and they went there to stroll and, and they reported catastrophic results. So perhaps Yosef was telling them, you know, you're no greater than the Miraglim, or the Miraglim are no greater than you. You know, 10 Shvotim, 10 Sadikim, and Anasi from each Shevet. Decisions they make can have catastrophic results. In this case, Yosef said, you ended up almost killing me or selling me into slavery. But I believe there's, there's a very profound, I think there's, there's a tremendous depth to this 
to this interpretation of the Balaturim, that Yosef is challenging the brothers with the story of the Miraglim. He's telling them, he's not just, he's not just telling them the story of, of the Miraglim, he's telling them, Miraglim Aten, you are Miraglim, you are spies. The spies come from you, not from me. And the brothers respond that there's, that there's also Kolev. I think there's, I think there's tremendous depth here. And I want to explain it in two, in two stages, in two, in two approaches, two levels. Number one, why did the brothers want to kill Yosef? In the end, decide not to kill him, but sell him into slavery. It's inherently last week's Parsha. But the, the, the act continues, right? The brothers now meet up with Yosef. They don't yet know that it's him. They don't find out that it's him till next week's parsha, but they meet up with him, and and this is the man they've wanted to kill, and Yosef is watching his dreams come true. The brothers were tzaddikim. The brothers, their kavona, their intention was definitely l'shem shemayim. Why did they have such animosity towards Yosef? The Torah says they were jealous of him. The Torah says they hated him. What, what, what was at the heart of it? Many explanations have been given. One of the explanations is that the brothers, again, Bali, Ruach, HaKodesh, members of prophecy and, and, and being able to see the future, the brothers can tell that Yosef is going to be responsible for taking the Jewish nation down to Mitzrayim. Because of Yosef, the Jews will, will be in Mitzrayim for 210 years, suffer terribly at the hands of the Egyptians, be forced into hard labor, have their baby boys taken away from them, thrown into the Nile River. Rahman al-Islam. Um, to the point that when Moshe Rabbeinu comes to tell the Jews that it's time for them to be liberated and freed, the Jews are not even able to hear what Moshe Rabbeinu says. This is going to be a very dark and sad chapter in Jewish history. The brothers see prophetically that Yosef is the one who facilitates this. And in fact, the brothers are correct. Yosef is the one who facilitates this. It's only because Yosef is in Mitzrayim and so powerful, etc., that the Jews end up going down to Mitzrayim. And because of that, they end up getting stuck there until Moshe Rabbeinu takes them out. So the brothers, the brothers see through prophecy that Yosef is going to be a one who's going to be responsible for the Jewish people ending up in Golas Mitzrayim. They want to kill Yosef in hopes that if Yosef doesn't exist, the Jewish people will be absolved, the Jewish people will be saved from hundreds of years of suffering in Golas Mitzrayim. Were they wrong? I made a bracha before. Were the, were the brothers wrong? It's a good question. What, what, would, what would have happened, Rahman al-Islam, if the brothers had actually killed Yosef? Hashem had told Avram that the Jewish people would be, would be um, 
subjugated in a foreign land for 400 years, but no details were given. It didn't have to be that brutal and it didn't have to be in Mitzrayim and it didn't have to materialize that way. It could have been a lot, it could have been a lot easier. What were to have happened if the brothers actually did kill Yosef is a good question. But prophetically, the brothers see that Yosef is taking the Jewish nation down a dangerous path. Physically, they're going to end up in Mitzrayim because of it. For this reason, the halachic term is roidif. They see Yosef as a roidif, which is, of course, the only the reason the, the halachic means one Jew who's putting another Jew's life physically in danger. The halacha is that you have to kill a roidif. And so the brothers see Yosef as a roidif. Okay. In that sense, perhaps, Yosef is turning around to the brothers and saying, you wanted to kill me because you saw me as being the one who's responsible for the Jewish people going to Mitzrayim? Says Yosef to the brothers, let me tell you what I see in you. I see in you Miraglim Atem. You guys are the Miraglim. The fathers of the Miraglim, responsible for the Miraglim. Now, why is that significant? Well, it's significant because, don't forget, if not for the Miraglim, the Jewish people would have gone straight into Eretz Yisrael. Remember that famous Rashi in the beginning of Dvorim, Alei Resh? Rashi says if they hadn't sent, if the Jewish people hadn't sent Miraglim, they would have gone into, into Eretz Yisrael. They would not have needed weaponry. They would not have needed armor. There would not be a war, Rashi says. If the Jewish people had not sent spies into Eretz Yisrael, there would not have been any war when they went into Eretz Yisrael. They would have walked in, they would have conquered it, it would have been the end of it. The understanding of that is that the Jewish people would have owned Eretz Yisrael forever. Forever. They would have never been chased out of Eretz Yisrael. All of the tzoros of the future that came only came because the Jewish people sent Baraglim. And the Miraglim said, let's not go. So they stayed in the desert for 40 years. And Moshe Rabbeinu dies. And Yeshua takes them in. And so the whole thing goes. Yosef tells the brothers, you are upset with me because I'm responsible for the Jewish people going to Mitzrayim. What about you guys? Miraglim Atem. You're responsible for the fact that the Jewish people sent Miraglim. And because of that, the day of Tishabov. Right? The day of Tishabov becomes an eternal day of mourning for the Jewish people forever. Well, excuse me, not forever, but until Mashiach comes. All right. But then there's a much more, I believe, intriguing reason why Yosef is bringing up the story of the spies here. There's something, there's something, there's something sitting in the kishkas here. It's well known, the explanation of really the inherently the argument between Yosef and the brothers and why it got so heated, right? Why it says the brothers, the the brothers couldn't talk to Yosef. Like good Jews, they weren't just arguing about, you know, about, uh, about what to eat for dinner. There was an ideological argument between Yosef and the brothers that drove them, that drove Yosef and the brothers to, to the brink of, 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 that drove the brothers to the brink of physically killing Yosef. 
there was it's well this explanation is very well known there was there was a there was an ideological warfare going on here. what was it the brothers were shepherds which means that they believed that a jew needs to interact with the world as little as possible the nature of the job of a shepherd is that he takes the sheep he takes the flock and he goes out to the field and he's basically as disassociated from the world as possible if he could be now the brothers believed in order for us to save our integrity in order for us to to save our identity as a jewish nation we have to be as far removed from the world as possible we have to interact with the world as little as possible if we could get away with not interacting with the world at all that would be best but we can't because we have to earn up our nosa and we have to survive and hashem put us here in order to be able to function in this world so, so we'll, do, we'll do what we have to do, but as little as possible. So they became shepherds. And they hung out in the field with the sheep where nobody bothered them. They could sit and learn. They could sit and daven. They could say to Hillem. They could serve Hashem. In the field, things are quiet. And the brothers, were. All, this was their job. This was how they interacted with the world. This is how they earned the parnosa. They were shepherds. Children of Yaakov, Ishtam, Yoshev, Oiholim, Tzadikim believe the world is a spiritually dark and dangerous place, in addition to being a physically dark and dangerous place for a Jew. But even if we could arrange ourselves in such a way that it's not physically threatening, the brothers believe the world will always be spiritually threatening. And so we have to disassociate to the extreme. Yosef believed the opposite. Yosef believed that a Jew could operate. Yosef believed that a Jew could succeed. And Yosef believed that a Jew had nothing to be afraid of. The Yosef who ashalit aloretz. Yosef was ruler of the world. Yosef says we can go out there. We have nothing to fear. We can conquer everything and everyone, and the world will bow down to us. Not only that, Yosef, Yosef who amashbir, Yosef is the provider. Yosef believed that he could, that he could, that that it was possible for a yid to sustain the world, to teach the world, to elevate the world, etc. And so the brothers fought. Sound familiar? The brothers fought over this. The brothers believed we have to isolate. Lock ourselves up in ghettos. Yosef says we got to go out there. The brothers said if we go out there, we will, we will lose our identity. We'll assimilate Rahman al-Islam. We'll, we'll, we'll lose what's precious, what we have. Yosef says, if we go out there, the world will bow down to us. The brothers say, if we go into the world, the economy will, will destroy us. Yosef says, I have a dream. And in my dream, the economy of the world is bowing down to us. All right. This was a fierce battle that raged between the brothers. The Torah says, interestingly, that Yaakov, the Yisrael, Ahavis Yosef, 
Yisrael, Yaakov loved Yosef more so than the other brothers, even though he himself, Yaakov himself, was again Ishtam Yosef Holim, was a person who preferred to sit in the tents of Torah. And when he did interact with the world, he, Yaakov, also interacted as a shepherd. That's how he made his living. But Ba'avev Shomer Asadovar Yaakov can tell that there's something unique, there's something in Yosef which, which, which the other brothers don't have, and Yaakov falls in love with it. But the brothers are absolutely convinced that Yosef is threatening the existence of the Jewish people. It's one of the reasons why Yosef sell the brother, why Yosef's brothers sell him into slavery. They say to him, You believe you can go out there and succeed in the world? Go! And they send him. And Yosef is right. And in the end, not only is Yosef right, not only is Yosef, does Yosef HaTzadik succeed in retaining his identity and his, his existence as a tzaddik in Mitzrayim and in the world, but in the end, as he sees in his dream, his brothers bow down to him, meaning to say that he is the one who sustains and gives this ability to his brothers as well. Okay. Now bear with me. The brothers come to Yosef, the Mitzrayim. Yosef recognizes them. The Pesach says, Heim loi ruhu. They didn't recognize him. The commentaries say, the, the commentaries say, the posik doesn't just mean that they didn't recognize him now. The posik, means they never recognized him. They never really knew who he was. They never saw in him his true potential. All right. The brothers come to Mitzrayim. They bow down to Yosef. And Yosef looks at them and goes, Maraglamatim. Your spies. Says the Balaturim, says the Balaturim. You know what he means, Maraglamatim? Yosef means to dig up the story that will take place in hundreds of years from now. When the Miraglim that Moshe Rabbeinu will send to Eretz Yisrael will come back and tell the Jews we spied out the land of Eretz Yisrael and it's too powerful for us to conquer. That's what Yosef means. All right. Very original commentary of the Balaturim. But I want to cut to what is, I think, the heart of, 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 of the issue here. All right. And here it is. The Gemara Mesech the Soita, Daflamenhei, says something astounding about the story of the Miraglim. Wild. Arguably, one of the most difficult comments made in the entire Gemara. I believe it's been discussed in, in, in these shiurim previously when it comes to Parsha Shlach, but I want to highlight just one point of this. The Gemara says that when the Miraglim came back from spying out Eretz Yisrael, 
the Maraglim said, the words of the Pasuk, means that Eretz Yisrael is too powerful for us to conquer. The Gemara says, quote, at that time, the Maraglim said, they said something big, they said something historic. What did they say? Rashi actually quotes this in, um, in, in, in the Chumash in Pasha, in, in Pasha Shlach. The Maraglim said that Eretz Yisrael and the people who live there and the giants are so powerful and the cities are so fortified that Afilu Balabais, even Almighty God himself, is unable to extract his vessels from there, meaning even Hashem cannot conquer Eretz Yisrael. That's what the Maraglim said. They said it's so strong, even even Hashem can't do anything about it. This is what they said. The Jewish people heard this, they fell apart. They cried all night. Hashem said, all night you're crying for nothing. Tishabov, you're crying for nothing? I'll give you something to cry about in Tishabov. All right. What did the Miraglim mean when they said, even the Rabbeinu Shalom cannot conquer the land of Eretz Yisrael. I mean, Lahavdil, even an idiot doesn't talk that way. Lahavdil. The Rabbeinu Shalom can do anything. Do they seriously doubt whether the Rabbeinu Shalom can conquer the land of Eretz Yisrael? Obviously not. So what did they mean? And why, and why did they say that? Why did they say, cannot take it, cannot uh, conquer the land of Eretz so, I mean, what, what kind of a way is that to talk? And, and, and by the way, and the whole Jewish nation buys it and accepts it. Everybody goes, oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Oops. And when Yeshua and Kolev, which we'll get into in a minute, when Yeshua and Kolev stand up to defend the position and say, we'll go up, we'll conquer the land, because we can do it. The whole nation wants to stone them to death. To stone them, they want to kill them for arguing with the Miraglim who said, I feel a balabais and the scale of Almighty God can't conquer Eretz Yisrael. Sounds like the Miraglim are talking, posh, besides for the heresy of it, the Pasha talking stupidity, nonsense. Yeshua and Kaleb are the only two who have something semi coherent and half intelligent to say, like, hey, Everybody, you remember God created the world in six days and rested on the seventh? Right? If he created all of these goyim, surely he can conquer them. And the Jewish nation are so infuriated by what Yeshua and Kola say that they want to stone them. How does a tzaddik dare say that there's something Hashem cannot do? So as it turns out, again, you have to be careful how you, how you word this, but as it turns out, there is something that Hashem cannot do. Now, Hashem can do anything. But wait, say the rabbis, not, of course Hashem could do anything, but not so fast. Hakol bidei shamayim, quote, Everything is in the hands of heaven. Remember that quote? Is a very sophisticated way of saying that God does give man, I'm going to say it, 
free choice. And God doesn't take away that free choice from man. So much as God can do whatever God wants, God will never, as a rule, take away a man's or a woman's free choice. So the Miraglim come back from checking out Eretz role and they tell the Jews, we've got a problem. They tell the Jews, we've got a problem. The problem is what? That God can't do miracles? That God cannot make manna fall from heaven and split the sea? No. That's not the problem. God can do anything. But God can't conquer Eretz Yisrael. You know why? Because conquering Eretz Yisrael means that a nation who had just come out of Mitzrayim, who had just suffered for 210 years, a people who had barely emerged from slavery, a people who, whenever anything goes wrong, the first thing that crosses their mind is, let's go back to Mitzrayim. In other words, a people still reeling from two centuries plus of being slaves, conquering Eretz Yisrael means they have to stand up and declare their own freedom. They have to stand up and say, we're not slaves anymore. We're now a free people. We're going to go into Eretz Yisrael. We're going to conquer it. We're going to look at the Goyim and say, this land belongs to us. And we're going to be ready to stand up and defend it. Now remember, if they hadn't sent spies, Rashi says, they wouldn't have needed, they would not have needed to fight. What would they have needed to do? Walk into Eretz Yisrael, say, this land belongs to me because Hashem gave it to me. And all the Goyim would have said, yes, sir, and left. That's what Rashi says. And they would have walked out. And they said, oh, absolutely, of course, the land of Israel is yours. Here you go, take it. Have a nice day. And they would have gone to live in Syria and Jordan and Saudi Arabia and Iraq and Iran where there's lots of oil and left there as Israel alone for the Jews. But the Miraglim come back and they say to the Jews, we are not ready for this. We, the Jews, are not ready. We don't see ourselves this way. We don't see ourselves as liberated, free people, ready to take ownership over Eretz role, ready to stand up and tell the world, this is ours because Hashem gave it to us. We're still reeling from 200 ye 210 years of abuse. Say the Miraglim to the Jewish people, make no mistake. The Rabbana Shalom is not going to do this part of the job for us. There's a part to this which we have to do ourselves. And say the Miraglim, we're not ready for it. In better psychological words, the Miraglim are telling the Jews, listen, it's kind of like that my parents have this great joke it's not really a joke. It's more of an anecdote. It's about a principal who's looking to hire a teacher to teach in a particular class. But this class is known to be a bunch of Vildachim, Vildachayev. 
very difficult students. And the principal for this class needs a very unique teacher, right? So they put an ad in the classified section and 15 people apply and the principal starts interviewing them. Interviewing number one, what are you gonna do when the kids throw spitballs at you? Well, the first teacher says, I'm gonna give them detention. I'm gonna pound on the table. I'm gonna, principal says, you're not for us. Next, next applicant, what are you gonna do? When the kids start throwing chairs and tables at you, well, I'm going to, the second applicant says, I'm going to empathize with them. I'm going to try to see where they're coming from. I'm going to learn about their background. No, no, you're not for us. Get out. Each one has a strategy, right, of how they're going to deal with this. And the principal says, no, nishgut. Until in the end, a very wise and very experienced teacher walks in. And the teacher says, tell me, what are you going to do when they're chutzpahdik? What are you going to do when they throw things? What are you going to do when they show up late and they give you attitude and they don't care? And the teacher looks at the principal and says, you don't understand, principal. I'm a very wise and very experienced and very talented teacher. All of these things that you're, gonna that you're talking about, they're not going to happen in my class. I don't need a strategy for how to deal with all these types of things. Because as soon as I walk into the classroom, I have a presence. I have a command of the room that's so powerful. In my classroom, students do not misbehave. It's an amazing story. In my classroom, students do not misbehave. They do not mess with me. That's what happens. You see, conquering Eretz Yisrael means, in the words of Rashi, not necessarily inherently a war. You don't need a war. Again, once they sent Meraglin, they did need war. But at the heart of it, had they not sent Meraglin, they wouldn't have needed a war. They wouldn't need to fight. They wouldn't need Clay Zion, Rashi says. They wouldn't need weapons. They wouldn't have they not sent the Meraglin. They, they wouldn't have needed any of this. What would they need? They would need a command of the classroom. They would need to walk into our stroll as Jews and say to everybody who lives there, this land was given to me by Hashem. And if they said it with the conviction that a Jew is supposed to have, if they said it with their soul, with their essence, if they said it like they meant it, would be no war the world would accept it and, and 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 give it to them and leave so the miraglin come back to the jewish people and they tell them listen hashem can do anything of course hashem can do anything but i'll tell you say the miraglin what hashem isn't going to do hashem isn't going to take away our own free choice Hashem isn't going to psychologically cure us from our slave mentality. We have to grow out of it ourselves. And until we do, we're not ready to go into our stroll. And if we do go in before we're ready, we're going to get kicked out. The world is going to look at us and call us thieves and liars. And make us feel guilty. We're better off staying in the desert, the Miraglam say. 
Yeshua and Kolev say, what are you talking about? What are you people talking about? Hashem has given this land to us. Hashem created this for us. It's been ours. It's been promised to us since Avram Avinu. Come on, let's go. Let's go and inherit it. The Jewish people want to stone them. The Jewish people side with the Maraglam. The Jewish people say we're too beaten. We're too tired. We're too weak. No more wars. No more fighting. No more wrestling. We're here in the desert. We have food to eat. We have water to drink. We have clothes on our back. You know, we're done, the Jewish people say. We don't want any more. Okay. There's the Balaturim. This is the story that Yosef was bringing up to the brothers. As soon as they come to him and they bow down to him, Yosef looks at them and says, Miraglim at them. You are the Miraglim. What does Yosef want? With dredging up the story of the Miraglim. Yosef tells his brothers, you don't understand what it is that you and I are arguing about. I say, says Yosef, that you can go out into the world, that you can be king of the world. The world will bow down to him. And you say, no, the Jewish people have to remain slaves. The Jewish people have to remain uh, shepherds because the world is too scary. Says Yosef to the brothers, you think you and I are arguing about the world? You think you and I are arguing if the world is a dangerous place or a kind place, if the world is too, if, if the elements out there are too harsh for a Jew or not too harsh for a Jew. That's not the argument. So what are we arguing over? We're arguing about ourselves, says Yosef. Says Yosef, I'm telling you we're not weak. Says Yosef, I'm telling you, we're not victims. Says Yosef to the brothers, I'm telling you, the world wants to bow down at our feet. We have to believe in ourselves. We have to find the strength within ourselves. We have to stop hiding in the fields. We have to walk into the capital city of the world of Mitzrayim and say, I'm a Yid. God has given me the Chochmah. God has given me the wisdom to know what to say and to know what to direct and to know how to tell people and, and, and all the rest of it. And if I'm ready to own that, the world is ready to accept it from me. And you, and you, my dear brother, says Yosef to them, you're afraid because you don't see your own potential. Because you don't see, you don't see your own ability and abilities. You're selling me into slavery, says Yosef. In the end, I'm the one who's the king. And you're the ones who are the slaves. And you're bowing down to me. Make no mistake, says Yosef to the brothers. This is the very reason why you will come back from Eretz role and be scared to go in. The fear that's holding you back is your own inability to see is your own lack of seeing your own your your own your own strength, your own ability to rule the world. 
the threats that you fear are in your mind. And if you can overcome them, you can claim Eretz Yisrael, you can claim it's Ryan, you can be a Jew who goes from the depths of despair, languishing in an Egyptian prison on death row, to being the most powerful person in the world in an instant. Yosef says, I get it. From me will come Yehoshua. Yehoshua isn't part of the council of the Miraglam. But you people are Miraglam. Concludes the Balaturim. Yehuda. The Rosh Hamadabrim in his words, the Roish Hamadabrim, the, the head of the speakers of the tribes, says to Yosef, you're only making one mistake. From me, says Yehuda, will come Kolev, who will also not be swayed by the council of the Miraglam. Loi hoyu begamatria kolev concludes the Balatorim. Loi hoyu begamatria kolev concludes the Balatorim. Okay. What does Yehuda want with that? Yehuda tells Yosef, listen to me, my dear brother. Just like you, Yosef, want us, the brothers, to see strength within ourselves. Yosef recognizes the strength in the brothers. The brothers don't see this, this kind of strength within themselves. Says Yehuda to Yosef, just like you want us to recognize power and strength within ourselves that we don't see, just like you want us to not be afraid to go into the world, Says Yehuda to Yosef, we need you to do the same. We need you to not underestimate your own strength. How is Yosef undermining? How is Yosef undermining his own strength? Says Yehuda to Yosef, don't, don't give up on your brothers. Don't stop. Don't write us off. Don't tell us Miraglimatem that, that, that we're spies and we're doomed. To, 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 to failure and, and to not seeing this within ourselves and, 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 and nothing will come of us. From me, says Yehuda, will come Kolev. Kolev will also stand up. Kolev will also say, Says Yehuda to Yosef, don't stop. Keep reminding us again and again that we are royalty and that we are kings. And that we can succeed. In the end, you, Yosef, will prevail. You will teach us that we are capable. And the Jewish nation will succeed. In other words, Yehuda is telling Yosef, it's not just the descendant of yours 
who will who will rise above the challenge of the Miraglim. It's not just the descendant of yours who in the days of Moshe Rabbeinu will not see themselves as weak, but one of our descendants too. And where does where do we get that from? That comes from you, Yosef. In other words, Yosef empowers the brothers to be able to see this within themselves. And so hundreds of years later, Yehoshua, Yosef's descendant, and Kolev, Yehuda's descendants, are two lone Jews who stand up and say, no, 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 we have nothing to fear. I think this is the reason why after this conversation between Yehuda and Yosef, again, which is either conscious or subconscious, after this conversation, everything goes, everything goes smooth from here. Think about what happens next. As soon as Yosef gets the brothers to bring Binyamin down, Binyamin comes down. Yosef puts Binyamin in a position where he's in danger. Yehuda stands up and says what? What does Yehuda say? When Yehuda has to defend, when Yehuda has to defend Binyamin, what does Yehuda tell Yosef? Yehuda says to Yosef, I'll tell you what. I promise, I took responsibility for Binyamin. Send Binyamin back, and I, Yehuda, will take his place. I'll serve as an Evid. I'll stay in Mitzrayim and serve as an Evid. Let Binyamin go home. This is, this is Yehuda's offer, right? Now let me ask you a question. Why is Yehuda off? Why does Yehuda offer to stay in Mitzrayim and be an Evid? Mitzrayim is the spiritually darkest place of the world. The brothers believe that a Jew has to be a shepherd in the field. as far removed from the world as possible. You're allowed to do that? You're allowed to say, I'll, I'll, I'll put myself in danger, I'll, I'll expose myself and my family to all of the, the fiercest, harshest, contaminated forces of the world? Why is Yehuda all of a sudden so ready, right? They wanted to kill Yosef for, for saying, let's go down to Mitzrayim because of the physical and spiritual danger that Yosef was putting the Jews in. Now, all of a sudden, it comes to saving Binyamin. Yudah says, no, no, I'm ready. I'll stay here in Mitzrayim. I'll be a slave. What does it mean? It means it's already working. It means Yehuda, as he is next to Yosef, can already, is already, it's already having an impact. Yosef's message is getting through. The brothers are starting to see that a Jew can be in Mitzrayim, can be in Mitzrayim and a Jew can, can, can retain his identity and prevail and succeed. Now, Yehuda still needs Yosef, which is why Yehuda is saying, he'll be a slave, he'll be a servant to Yosef. As long as he's connected to Yosef, he'll be protected. But he's ready to stay in Mitzrayim. Yosef's message, Yosef's message is starting to get, there's a crack in the resistance of the brothers starting to get through. And the brothers are seeing within themselves this ability that Yosef is talking about. The brothers are starting to concede that Yosef is right. I heard a beautiful, beautiful word. I hope I'm repeating it correctly. When one of the Gera Rebbes was a young child, 
he was told that when he grows older, he's going to be the Ger Rebbe. Ger, the community of Ger, before the Second World War, I believe had hundreds of thousands of Hasidim. We're talking about, till today, in fact, I think the largest Hasidic dynasty in the world. Some of the most magnificent uh, uh, and holy Rebbes and institutions. So this which particular, I'm not sure which one it was, this particular Ger Rebbe, when he was a young child, he told him, when you grow up, you're going to be the Ger Rebbe. He says to himself, when I become the Ger Rebbe, I'm going to change the world. He starts to grow up, he said, I started to realize to change the world is very difficult. All right, he said, I don't know if I'm going to be able to change the world, but I'll change my country. He gets a little older, ah, country is big. Change my city. Then he started to meet the people in the city and he realized there's a couple of tough nuts to crack. I'm not going to be able to change my city. I'm going to, to change my community. Then he got to know his community. Oh boy, wow. I don't know if I'm going to be able to do that. At least I'll change my family. But then he says, I grew up and I realized you can't really change your family. The only person you can change is yourself. And then I realized that even to change yourself, <laughs> Not as simple as it sounds. And I came to the realization that I might not even be able to change myself. And then I became the Gera Rebbe. And then I realized I have to change myself. I have no choice. So I did. I did some honest to God. Back to the wall. And I changed myself. And then I realized that if I can change myself, I can change the whole world. The wisdom of the Vart is that as long as you're looking outside, you can't do anything. Once you look in, you can do everything. That's the wisdom of the Vart. But as it relates here, what's happening is there's a conversation going on between Yosef and the brothers. Yosef is telling the brothers from, 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 when he's a, from when he's a young man, Yosef is telling the brothers, I, I see it. I can see it in my dreams. I can see it in, in I, I can see it in myself. I, I can see it in everything. As Jews, the world is ours. The sun, the moon, the stars, it's, it's all going to bow down to us. The brothers see nothing of this. Nothing. They want to kill Yosef. They want to kill him because of the, the physical and spiritual danger that he's putting them in. They sell him into slavery. They send him off. And Yos, every part of Yosef's dream starts to become true. Yosef succeeds in every level. Yosef is a tzaddik. Yosef is the real deal. Yosef is the one. He's, he's the chosen golden child of Yaakov. Yosef is the one to whom Yaakov taught all the Torah and gave all the wisdom. He's the quintessential Yid. But Yosef and Yosef is ruler over the whole world. Not with aggression, but, but with, with, by virtue of his existence. And the brothers come down and they bow down to him and Yosef looks at them and goes, oh my God. You still don't see it in yourselves. 
you still don't see it in yourselves. This is going to be responsible for the Jewish people not going into Eretz Yisrael. We have to get rid of this. You're telling, he says, Yosef, I'm responsible for the Eden going down to Mitzrayim. You're responsible for Tishba. Wait, says Yehuda. Loi hoyu avodecha maragim. Loi hoyu begamatria kolev. Wait, says Yehuda to Yosef. Wait. If you're the real deal, if you can get the whole world to bow down to you, if you can influence everybody, don't forget you have to influence your brothers too. Don't give up on us. And so Yosef doesn't. And the brothers come down to Mitzrayim with their families and Yaakov. And Yosef feeds them and, and provides for them, which doesn't only mean he feeds them physically. It means he nurtures them spiritually. And yes, one day from the brothers comes Kolev. And one day from the brothers from Kolev, one, one day from, from the brothers, Shimon, uh, Levi will come Kohanim and Levim. And from Yehuda will come kings. And eventually, please God, Dovid Melech and Shleimah Melech. And the first base of Mikdash and the second base of Mikdash in the end, please God, the coming of Mashiach. So yes, if the Jewish people had been ready to walk into Eretz Yisrael and just claim it, it would have been theirs forever. True. Yes, if the Jewish people would have just would not have struggled with this, if they would have all been Yosefs, perhaps, there would be no story of Maraglin. For whatever reason, it wasn't destined to be that way. But the brothers remind Yosef, the brothers remind Yosef not to give up on them and to continue tending to them and feeding them, feeding them not just food, but feeding them a true sense of their own identity. Until, until the brothers are ready to stand up and own this themselves. What's the lesson? The lesson is that in life, in life we get challenged. We get challenged and sometimes our challengers seek to make us forget who we are. But at every point in our lives, there's a Yosef. There's a Yosef who reminds us that we have nothing to fear. And as the Yosef reminds us that the world wants to bow down at our feet. And there's a Yosef who says, Don't lose faith. Don't lose hope. Don't underestimate yourselves. And there's a Jewish people who respond and say, No lesson goes down in vain. Every lesson is absorbed. The lesson that Yosef taught the brothers was manifest in Kolev many years later. And then in the other descendants of, of, of Yehuda to ultimately Dovid HaMelech and Shleim HaMelech and please God with the coming of Mashiach. Wishing you all a wonderful and happy Hanukkah. I'm finishing on time today. Uh, oh, two minutes late. Uh, wishing you all a wonderful and Freilich and Hanukkah. Gesundte Heit and Freilich Heit. And all the Jewish people should be blessed. Shabbos is, of course, Rosh Chodesh Tevis. And Hashem should bless us all with a good month.